absolutely phenomenal. Looks like a hole in the wall, but it's the best steak in the world. Anyway, we were having a good time and so forth. And uh, she was, uh, when she was a child, she was a member of uh, Temple Baptist Church in Herndon, Virginia, where for many, many years I've gone every, every year for their mission conference. And uh, as we were eating, she said, Brother Sis, I, I remember you coming to our church, and she was probably 35 years old, something like that. She said, I remember you coming to our church when I was a little girl. And she said, you were old then. <laughs> and I said, I've been, I've been old a long time. But it is a great blessing to be here with you, dear people, tonight. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for, for letting me come and letting me preach. I'm amazed that anybody would let me preach. Okay, as old as I am, is forgetful and so forth. So whatever I forget tonight, uh, don't worry about it, okay? It, it'll all come out. Open your Bibles to First Peter, and we're going to read chapter 2. I'm going to read chapter 2, but uh, before I do that, uh, look at chapter 1 for just a second, and notice uh, who Peter is writing this letter to. It's not to a church, uh, but it, it's to people. Look, look at it. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, I think he's writing to us tonight. Uh, these Christians had been under great persecution, and uh, they, they were scattered everywhere. And they were, they were having a very, very difficult time. And uh, Peter writes this letter to them. Now, let's look at uh, verse uh, chapter 2, and I'll beginning reading there with verse 1. Now, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. By the way, wouldn't that be good for all of us to lay all those things aside? <laughs> that, that, that's not the sermon tonight, but that's good stuff anyway, okay? And then he said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Now, now, milk, that's good to start with, but uh, uh, we ought to get past that eventually, okay? And then he said, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And by the way, the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted? Okay, he's good, amen. Uh, he, he's gracious. To whom coming as a unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. How precious he is. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up in a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in sign a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Thank God for that. And he says, of those that have believed on him, unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. And here's the sad thing. But unto them which be disobedient, 
The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they are appointed. They were appointed. Now, my text tonight is verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's read that ninth verse again, okay? Look at it very carefully. And by the way, he's talking to people like us. Uh, you ever feel like a stranger in this world? You ought to, amen? And uh, that, that's easy. These people are just scattered, having all kind of persecution, trials and problems and so forth. But then he says to them, listen, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, with that verse in mind, uh, tonight I want us to think about this subject. I am what? I am what? Now look at it carefully. That's what God says you are. I am what? I believe from the depth of my heart that one of the greatest hindrances to our being effective in the work of God is that we allow something or someone to determine what we are. Uh, for instance, it may have been an insensitive parent that in our childhood said something that stuck in our minds. Maybe something like, you're dumb. <laughs> you're a troublemaker. You're a slob. Now, all three of those things may be true, many of you, okay? But it wouldn't be good for the parent to say that, okay? Uh, it may have been a schoolmate that bullied you or that called you by some bad name. I remember a couple of boys. And I, I, uh, when, we, uh, when I was in the fourth grade, we moved to a little mining town in Kentucky called Mannington, Kentucky. And it, it's a pretty bad place. And a lot of, all the boys, they like to fight. And um, I, I never did like to fight, okay? And sometimes they'd call me a sissy and so forth. I wasn't a sissy, but I just didn't like to fight. Now, I have some friends that like to be known as fighting fundamentalists. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm sure we need some of those, okay? But uh, personally, I'd rather be known as a loving fundamentalist, amen? Uh, now, I know there's some battles that have to be fought and so forth, and Sometimes you have to fight, okay? Uh, it, it may have been a teacher or a boss that made some derogatory mark, remark about you. And that, you let that define you. Uh, um, it may have been a basketball coach or football coach. You're too short, you're too tall, you're too fat, you're too skinny, whatever, amen? Uh, and you let something like that, you're clumsy, you're slow. 
Uh, it may be a mirror that determines what you are. You look in the mirror. <laughs> and uh, you, you let that determine what you are. If we're not careful, we'll let something or someone else determine what we are. I think of uh, different people. Uh, Thomas Edison, they sent him home from school. He's too slow to learn. Thank God he had thousands of inventions. And aren't you glad he invented the electric light? If he hadn't done that, we'd have to watch television in the dark all of our lives. Okay. <laughs> David said of Einstein one time, he's, he's, slow, he's a slow learner. And probably he was bored to death there in the first grade, okay? And uh, you, you're like this preacher. Uh, the football coach at Ohio State told Joe Burrow, you can't be a starting quarterback. Uh, you, you, can, you can be a backup, but you can't be a starting quarterback. And all he did was left Ohio State and went to LSU and, and uh, won the Heisman Award and the national championship and first choice in the, in the draft and so forth. Don't let somebody else determine what you are and what you can be. Uh, I, I was reading even, even again tonight, uh, Michael Jordan, when he was a sophomore in high school, that uh, they, they, they cut him from the, the varsity team and put him back on the uh, junior varsity team. He went home and cried and cried and cried. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow, they told his mother, there's no way you can give birth to this child. You have to have an abortion. Thank God she didn't, amen. And I'll guarantee you the Florida coach was glad she didn't, okay? <laughs> I think of people like that, that they, they didn't let somebody else tell them what they were. I have two, two great stories about preachers. One of them is Don Forster. Don, Don Forster is one of the most outstanding men I've ever met in my whole life. He was blinded when he was just a boy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure many people thought, okay, he's going to be very limited, very little he can do. He graduated as valedictorian from the University of Texas. And uh, then, then he came to Tennessee Temple, and he uh, did his master's degree there, and then he uh, received the first earned doctorate from Tennessee Temple University. And he went to Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he and Shirley, his wife, started knocking on doors, very little support, didn't know anybody. They started knocking on doors, and they built what became the Faith Baptist Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia, a great, a great, great church. And, you know, Don just would not let blindness keep him from doing what he needed to do. Uh, I was with him one time, and uh, Oklahoma was playing Texas. And of course, he's a big Texas fan. And uh, he said, now, Brother Sis, we're going to watch the football game this afternoon. He said, you're going to tell me everything that's happening, okay? And uh, we had a good time watching Texas beat Oklahoma that day, okay? Uh, if he had lost, I wouldn't have told him, okay? <laughs> but, uh, you know, Don, Don would have let could have let somebody else determine what he could be or what he could not be, but he didn't do that. Another good friend of mine is a man by the name of David Rodenheiser. Uh, 
David, as a 10-year-old boy, went forward in the, in, uh, the uh, church there in Lynchburg, Virginia, where Dr. Jerry Falwell was, and uh, like this. But up on the, I mean, he, he could not say two words plainly. And, and Brother, Paul, Brother Falwell said to him, he said, Dave, there's a lot of things you can be, son, but I, I'm not sure you can be a preacher. And Dave said, I would take my Bible, and, and I would go in my room, and I would pick out a verse, and I would read that verse over and over and over and over until I could read it plainly. He pastors the Calvary Road Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia, a great, a great church. I mean, thousands of people saved. He had seven children, all of them in the ministry and so forth. Could I urge you, uh, don't let somebody or something else tell you what you are. Tonight, I want you to listen to God and let him tell you what you are. By the way, have you noticed our culture tries to tell us that we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe the Bible to be the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God, that you're outdated. Uh, you're not relevant for this generation. You're narrow-minded. You're troublemakers. Rather than allow others, the culture, or even yourself, define you, let's look at what God says you are. Look at the verse again. Now, keep in mind that Peter is writing to people who have been saved by the grace of God. Uh, for instance, uh, look, look again at verses 7 and 8. You find two kinds of people. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. He's talking to us tonight. Uh, I'm sure that most of the people here tonight are believers, maybe everyone. But if you have trusted Jesus Christ, as, as your Lord and your Savior, then he says, unto you which believe, he is precious. By the way, let's just say that all together, okay? All together one time. He is precious. That's poor. Come on, do it again, okay? Listen to it. He is precious. By the way, God desires and deserves our praise. He is precious, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of a stone. In other words, he's talking to people that are going to heaven. Believers are going to heaven. Unbelievers are going to hell. Say, well, I don't believe in hell. Doesn't matter what you believe, it's a reality, amen. So he, he's talking to, to believers. Okay? Now let, let's notice what he said. And uh, I don't know about you, but but I like all these things that he said, I am. Okay. I am. Okay, here it is. But you are a chosen generation. Any good to be chosen? 
Uh, how many of you married? Lift your hands, okay? All right, good. Uh, some of you ladies sit beside your husband. You didn't lift your hand. Maybe you're not married, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, okay? But it, it, wouldn't it be one, isn't it wonderful to be chosen? Chosen. I, I never will forget uh, walking Virginia home from church one Sunday night. And for the first time, uh, she, she said to me, she said, Don, I love you. Man, I went home that night. My head was swimming. I, I, I could hardly think about And I thought all I could think about was, how could somebody as beautiful and as wonderful as she is love somebody like me? By the way, we were married 65 years before she went to heaven. And I'll guarantee you, in those 65 years, she had that same thought many times, amen? How could I have loved somebody like him? <laughs> By the way, when, when, we, uh, when we get married, you don't tell your mate everything. If you did, most of you never get married, okay? <laughs> and that, that was wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm glad she chose me. Okay. But I thought thousands of times, when Jesus said, Don, I love you and I want you, he knew all about me. He knew everything I'd ever thought, everything, every sin I'd ever committed, every sin I would ever commit. He knew all of that. But in spite of that, he said, I love you and I want you. You are a chosen generation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, Wherein, now listen to this, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Praise God. We are accepted in Jesus Christ. So it's good to be chosen. It, uh, it's, it's good to be chosen as a, as a team member. Uh, when you try out for a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team and and, and the day comes when some of them have to be cut somewhere. Uh, it, it, it's good to be chosen on the team. Now, I had a great basketball career. I sat four years on the bench, okay? But I, <laughs> I was on the team, okay? Uh, it, it's good to be chosen as a friend. If a man is to have friends, he must show himself friendly. Every once in a while I meet somebody and say to me, well, I don't have any friends. And I said, well, you've just told on yourself, amen. <laughs> but to be chosen as a friend. But more important than all of those is the fact that we've been chosen as children of God. How do you get chosen? How do you get chosen? Listen to it. John 1, 11 and 12. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he came into his own, and his own received him not. Isn't that a shame? 
Jesus Christ left heaven in all of its glory. And he came, first of all, to the Jewish, but his own received him not. And, and I've thought so many times of all that the Lord has done for the people of the world, why in the world would people not receive him? So the Bible says he came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. In other words, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he said, okay, you're chosen. You're chosen. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He come into his own, his own would not receive him. But to everyone who would receive him, by, by the way, that, that, that means anybody that would receive him. Aren't you glad for John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about it, whosoever. Whosoever. We, my wife and I were in Kentucky one time. We had the radio on, on Sunday morning going to church. And it was about an hour from her mother's house. And, and there, there was a fellow that came on the radio. And uh, he was a primitive Baptist preacher. Now, those are the people that believe what is to be will be whether it ever happens or not, okay? In other words, if they fall down the steps, they say, well, thank God that had to happen, but I'm glad it's over with, okay? <laughs> and uh, he read John 3.16, and he denied everything in John 3.16. I mean, you know, whosoever does not mean whosoever, you know, on and on and on. And all I could think of was, by the way, the fellow was a primitive Baptist preacher, but he was also an undertaker. And I thought that's appropriate. Let the dead bury the dead. Amen. <laughs> no, it, it means whosoever. Uh, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary, that precious blood was sufficient and efficient to save everybody who would believe, everybody who had ever lived and everybody who would ever live. And when you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, you're chosen. Think about that tonight. He loved you so much, he chose you. Second thing, listen to this one. You are a royal priesthood think about that now you say well we believe in the universal priesthood of believers and we do okay but listen to what Peter said he said you and he's talking about you you every believer you are a royal priesthood what does the word world mean it means you're, you're part of the king's family you are a royal priesthood. I heard a, a preacher preaching years ago at uh, Southwide Baptist Fellowship in Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga there. And uh, he wanted to let everybody know how 
important he was. And he said, uh, even my wife and children have to make an appointment to see me. And I thought, you are dumb. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're so, Im yeah, that, that's the dumbest statement. And I, I've often thought, my wife, uh, she never had to make an appointment to see me. If Virginia wanted to talk to me, and by the way, she did, and a lot of times she talked pretty rough, okay? <laughs> and I needed it, okay? And by the way, men, most of you do it, so listen to your wives, amen? My children won't talk to me. My grandchildren won't talk to me. By the way, our children are the rewards for not, our grandchildren are the rewards for not killing your children. And they were so precious. But, you know, one day, our grandchildren became insignificant. God began to give us great-grandchildren. <laughs> so I had a wife, and anytime she wanted to talk to Don, said she could. Uh, my children, anytime they want to talk to their dad, they can. My grandchildren, anytime they want to talk to Papa, they can talk to Papa. Okay? I mean, my ears are open. I want to hear them. Think about it. You are a royal priesthood. I mean, you have access to Almighty God any time of the day, anywhere you're at. Doesn't matter. He's listening for you. By the way, He wants you to talk. I mean, if I get a text, I get an email, I get a phone call from any of my family, that, that, that just brings great joy. You are a royal priesthood. A priest is one who presents the needs of people to God. The prophet tells the people about God. And the priest tells God about the people. Now, think about this. You are a royal priest. There is absolutely no reason that you should not spend time talking to your heavenly Father. I love the passage in Hebrews where it says, uh, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all manner tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Thank God for that. Amen. Therefore, let us come boldly, like a child would come to his father, uh, like a grandchild would come to his granddad. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find grace to help in the time of need. How many of you would agree with me tonight? We're living in a needy time. That we may find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Question tonight. How are you doing with your priesthood? You say, I'm just 16 years old. Doesn't matter. This is speaking to every believer. Okay. You say, I'm old. So what? There's no excuse for not praying. Absolutely not. 
How are you doing in your position of a priesthood? For instance, how are you doing as far as praying for your family? Could I give you a little good advice? You'd be a whole lot better praying for your sons and your daughters than you would just criticizing them, okay? And by the way, children today have more to go through than we ever dreamed we would have, us old people. You need to pray for your children. How, how, how are you doing, parents, praying for your children? Uh, how, how are you doing, husband, praying for your wife? Uh, how are you doing, wife, praying for your husband? How are you doing praying for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? How are you doing in the priesthood? How are you doing in praying for one another as church members? How are you doing as far as praying for your spiritual leaders? May I urge every one of you tonight to spend some time every day praying for your pastor. I think the hardest job in fundamentalism today is not the missionary and it's not the event, but it's the pastor. The decisions they have to make, all the things they went through and so forth. And yet so many times people go for months. Never, never pray. Pray for your staff members. Pray for the teachers of your children. By the way, we need to pray for the leaders of our nation. You say, I don't like him. I don't either. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't say if you like him, pray for him. And I always love it when I get to Proverbs 21. And it says, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Aren't we glad that people who think they're in control are not really in control? Uh, we need to pray for President Biden. We need to pray for Nancy Pelosi. We need to pray for Chuck Schumer. You say, I don't like any of those guys. Okay. We need to pray for them. Paul told us to do that, okay? And we need to pray for the lead. Pray for your mayor. Pray for your, pray, pray for your governor. Pray, pray for the people that are in authority. The Bible teaches us to do that. Check, check it out tonight. How are you doing in your position as a holy or as a royal priesthood? You're part of the family. You can come to God at any time with any request. You say, well, I'll pray about the big things, but I'll take care of the little things myself. No, you can't. We need to pray about everything. Everything. Third thing. Number one, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And he said, you are a holy nation. You are a holy nation. Uh, the word nation comes from the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnic group. You are a holy 
ethnic group. What, what makes you a part of an ethnic group? It is people who share a distinctive culture, people who have a common interest, people who have common practices, people who speak the same languages, and so forth, people who practice Christianity together. You are a holy. What does the word holy mean? It means separated. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You are a holy nation. By the way, could I mention tonight that you are an ethnic minority? Huh? If you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he is the only way to heaven, you are an ethnic minority. If you believe that this Bible is the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God, and that it has all authority, that Jesus Christ has all authority. You are a part of a minority. But you're part of a holy nation, a holy ethnic group. Then the last thing, and this I think this might be my favorite. I don't know. All three of them are my favorite, okay? But one more. Uh, look at the latter part of that. You are a peculiar people. And I know what you think. Yeah, we're pretty peculiar, all right. We're oddballs. But that's not what it means, okay? You are a peculiar people. Dr. Wiest in his New Testament Greek nuggets mentions that the word peculiar means you are precious to God. You are precious. Now think about it. You are precious to God. Uh, the, the, the word precious really comes from two Greek words. One of them is peri which is a preposition, meaning around or encircled. Then the other word is poesis, something that is made or done. How many of you have a pencil and piece of paper tonight? Let, let, me, let me ask you to do something. Uh, if you have a pencil and a piece of paper, if you don't, at least do it in your mind, okay? Put on a piece of paper just a dot, okay? A dot. Now, around that dot, draw a circle. And this is exactly, exactly what this verse means. The dot is you. The circle is God. You know what that means? That means nothing can get to you except it come from God or through God. Nothing, nothing. I mean, any, anything that happens to you. And remember now, you're chosen, you're, you're chosen as a child of God. You, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And nothing gets to you 
but that it comes from God or through God. Remember Job? I mean, you know, the, the, the devil could do no more than God allowed him to do. Now, Peter tells us that, the, that Satan is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And by the way, he's real, and he has demons. But they're limited. Uh, he's a lion, but thank God he's a lion on a leash. Amen. I mean, he can only go as far as God would let him go. You are a precious possession of Almighty God. He has a vested interest in you. He purchased you with his own blood. And he has a invested interest in everything that you do. Don't you love Romans 8, 28? Now, I know in the last few months it's been hard to realize that, amen. But listen to what it said. For we know. It doesn't say we think. It doesn't say we feel like. It doesn't say we, it looks like. No, no. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And I guarantee you, and I've gone through this as much as anybody else, and there's a lot of things in the last few months and weeks and so forth that looks to me like there's just absolutely no reason for it. Sometimes I think, well, what? but wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say we think all things are working together. It doesn't even say we hope all things. No, no, no. It says we know. We know God, okay? And God's in control. And uh, I, I love what it says in the 10th chapter of John. My sheep hear my voice, and, I follow, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. My Father which giveth me them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We're in his hand. We're encircled by him. Oh, yeah, the devil's strong. The demons are strong. Uh, things may not look right, but it doesn't make any difference. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. I don't understand this pandemic any more than the rest of you. But I believe from the depth of my heart God is in control, and God has a purpose, and God's purpose will be done. Listen to it again. Don't let the mirror, don't let the culture that we live in, don't let some bonehead scholar determine what you are. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar. No, no, no. Get it right. Doesn't mean odd or strange. Some of you are, okay, but that's not what it means. You are a peculiar people. You're God's possession. God has a vested interest in you. In closing, listen to it. What? No, you're not. 
that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We don't belong to ourselves, folks. We don't have a right to just determine what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, where we're going, where we're not. No, no, no. We belong to God. He has purchased us with his precious blood. Let's pray together, Pastor.